From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 149, and today I'm joined by Vladimir John Corbett, Nicole Maroon, and Kaylee Wilson, who are the team behind the new independent film Luba, which you can get on streaming platforms pretty much everywhere in Canada, and I think the United States now. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch The Philadelphia Story. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film once for sure, maybe twice. You're giving me, Vlad's giving me a face. Not everyone has to be a virgin. I Vlad, thought that was the whole thing. Not everyone. Thing. No, 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 not everyone. That's, that's, well, that can be hard to do. Well, this is new information. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. Wow. Well, you'll be okay. You'll get over it. Yeah, not everyone. Sometimes we have pure virgin episodes. Sometimes my rule is as long as one person on the on the couch hasn't seen it, oh, it no. qualifies. Well, there's three of us, right? That's perfect. No, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah that's okay. great. So three okay. of us. That's great. I, I only saw, I know more of it, like the history of it in like George Cukor's canon and Kevin Hepburn. Like I saw it <coughs> back in film school like 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, so I haven't seen it recently, if that makes you feel any better. No. <laughs> it doesn't. All right, let's go around in your proper introduction. I'm Kaylee Wilson. I'm the director of Luba, and I'm indeed a Philadelphia story virgin. Uh, Vladimir John Kubert. I'm the writer and producer, one of the producers of Luba, and I am also a Philadelphia story. Philadelphia story? Yeah. Philadelphia story virgin. I'm Nicole Maroon, and I'm producer and star of Luba. Nice. And so Luba is coming And a virgin. And a virgin. And a virgin. And a virgin. And so when when the film is out now? Yeah. Luba? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We just, uh, I think we're still in theater, in a theater, one more in Calgary. Calgary, yeah. At the Globe, which I... It ends this week. Yeah, I think tomorrow night, actually. Yeah, by the time this airs, it'll be... But online, you can watch it Yeah, online, you can watch it online. We um, are... Exclusive right now to a platform called Highball TV. It's a it's a streaming service that focuses on uh, film festival gems, and they have a deal with uh, Apple TV, Roku, these these kinds of platforms. So you can find them on your Apple TV, etc. All the places. Yeah. yeah. And uh, anything else to say about Luba? No, I think that's it. We got great reviews from the Globe and National Post, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, and you guys won the was it the Audience Award at the, the Canadian Film Fest, Real Indie Spirit Award, and, and the audience, audience choice. choice. Yeah, best play. And, and we've won a couple of best feature awards, best international feature awards at some international film festivals at Idlewild, as well as In Borderlands, Borderlands, New Mexico. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's funny. Were you guys able to travel with it and go? So yeah, I kind of did what we could. We yeah. Different ones. I was able to go with the DP, Justin Beatty. We went to uh, both. I went to Houston World Fest with my wife, actually. That's fun. It was fun. Um, 
and then yeah, New Mexico with the uh, our cinematographer. Super. He was actually nominated for an award for that best cinematography there. And I think we got audience choice there as yeah. well as best international. And you also got best directorial debut at um, at World Fest in World Houston. Fest Houston. Nice. The Platinum Remy. Is the yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Congrats. Well, yeah, it's exciting. Thanks. So yeah. ch- so check it out. We'll remind you guys again at the end of the episode where you can watch that. Uh, so Philadelphia story. What do you guys know? Do you guys know anything about it? Cary Grant, right? Yep. Cary Grant. Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. Yep. That's I think that's about all I know. Black and white, right? Story in Philadelphia <laughs> is what I'm aware of. Yeah, well, I won't tell you any more because I don't want you. Because sometimes it's fun to see the surprise. Yeah, and who I don't want to know. I love yeah. knowing nothing. I love that part. Yeah. And what about uh, other films by like George Cukor? You guys like? So he made like My Fair Lady. Um, I th- with Yul Brenner. Yul Brenner. My Fair Lady. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I think I saw that when I was a kid. Very yeah. very little. And there's other things he's connected to. I won't get into it because there's an interesting history to this film and where it kind of fit into several of the, the people's careers uh, and how it became like a surprise hit. But I'll get into that after we watch it because I think that's it's more interesting once there's a little bit of context. Okay. And I'd like to talk a fair bit about Yul Brenner. I, I just... <laughs> we, we, oh, the guy, like, how did he become, like, massive in the 30s? 40s? This, this is 1940, this movie. Yeah, like, how did that... I mean, Yul Brenner with the name Yul Brenner and everything, like, he, he was a bit of a... Well, that name would have been... Well, th- most names were given to actors back then, right? So it's like, I feel like... Yeah, is that even... But he was, he was... Was he Arabic? Or, like, what was his ba- ethnic background? Yul Brenner. Know. Or is he Jewish? Because he always played, he always played like the Egyptians. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Like he was. Uh, but there was a there was there was a lot of uh, cultural appropriation going on back yeah. then when it came to like. But I think he looked I mean, he looked the closest to the real deal of yeah. uh, any of the actors playing um, ethnic. ethnic characters at yeah. that time. Yeah, every now and then they got it right, but uh, they also didn't didn't mind going. Oh, we're in black and white. As long as someone has a tan. We can get away with uh, we can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. Who was it that played the age? Like Mark, was it Martin Sheen or something? The yellow face paint, and he played a Chinese. Well, that was man? Ma- no, that was Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney in yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah, which was at the time considered hilarious, and now is ridiculously crazy. yeah. Even when I was a kid, <laughs> difficult to watch. Even when I was a kid in the eighties, is like, ooh, this is I. I feel like this. this. I, I feel like this shouldn't be for laughs. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it because Mickey Rooney was a star, but was already a star, so there was whole thing. I was like, well, watching. I saw the movie, but it's about a Chinese. Yeah, he can do that. Well, at the, at the yeah. time, it was hilarious. He's the lead character. In no, the no, film? he's like a supporting yeah. character. But it was like eyebrows, like the whole. Yeah, and it was it's, supposed it's, to be funny. It's the equivalent of blackface. Yeah, yeah. but as like a, a as a Chinaman. Yeah, and it's really yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's pretty. Bad. Uh, you can YouTube it. I'm sure there's. <laughs> okay. uh, I will. I've never seen that either. Actually, that's uh, that's another classic, isn't it? That's one I, I haven't seen in forever. I saw it on New Year's Eve one year. Somehow, there's like, probably not a lot of films you haven't seen uh, uh, based on your collection downstairs. I've right? seen a fair amount. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's hard. It's hard to find one that I haven't seen. Did you just love love movies from like the time you were born? Because I'm not one of those guys. Like, Me yeah. Like, what? How do you? How did you come to be so like a, a cinemaphile, Right? Yeah, I mean, I think I my my mom was, cinephile. Cinephile. Cinephile, I think, is the, yeah, is the right okay. is the right term. <laughs> I just grew up. Or, I mean, my mom, my parents were not necessarily artistically inclined. My mother was more so than my dad. My dad was a factory worker, but my mom, 
my mom loved music and she loved old movies and so I'd watch movies with her and my dad loved comedies and so I had this weird like blend of like classic movie structure and and comedies and I just loved it and I had an uncle who uh, pirated <laughs> movies nonstop so he had just a library full of uh, of tapes that had three movies on each tape. The beta? Long play beta? Yeah. yeah. But the thing was, it wasn't like he'd have like Lethal Weapon 1, 2, and 3. Yeah. They were all over the place. So yeah. it'd be like a horror film on there, like a Western and something else. So I would just borrow tape by tape and I'd do these movie marathons of, of three movies back to back that had nothing to do with each mm-hmm. other and across different genres. So I just watched everything back and back front to back. Yeah, and then I also had this, but I also think that equates like my love of genre and mishmash, where I just like I have no problem. I love any genre I get my hands on, and also I love like seeing genres mixed together because when you watch three movies that are so different from each other back to back, they you can't help but like blend them together in weird ways. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me, sorry, you were, uh, I just I had a friend growing up who you weren't allowed to press play on the V. It was the VHS player. Until you made sure that it was recorded. Like, it didn't matter what went in. They just recorded everything onto their beta collection. Yeah. They didn't wait to see if it was a good movie. They're just like, well, we got a movie in? Boom. Well, cause we got to record it. And then their library, same thing, was vast. It was like, yeah, what? Yeah, if, if you got what halfway through and you liked like, it, you're like, well, now we got to start it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't understand the... Um, the idea or the the love of cinema so much that you even like movies that you don't like. You know, like, that's something I've never quite... I don't get it. Like that's yeah. not for me. I have to really like a movie to want to sit and watch the whole thing. If I'm if I don't like it, it's not interesting to me in any regard. Whereas cine- cinephiles, it seems, yeah, just like cinema so much that even bad oh, films there's movies that, I don't like, but you'll still finish watching it, right? Not always. Now I will say, as I get older, I have, especially with Netflix and streamers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I have like usually I have the half hour rule. Yeah. Uh, there, there. I will say though, this I do often buy movies blind just because I assume I'll like them more, especially older classic movies that I've read enough about. Um, and so those ones I'll definitely watch all the way through if I purchased it. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I, I won't always turn I'll sit through it. I mean, on the podcast of these, I will. There's been some groaners that we've watched right. and, and had a lot of fun ripping apart after. Right. Uh, but that's part of the fun too. If you're with other people. There's something about suffering. In I had a group. friend where we would specifically pick bad movies to watch. And oh, I have friends like that too. It was like we are going to just tear this thing apart. Like read the back <laughs> of it. This is going to be garbage, and that was. But that, that was the entertainment. But that's for a that. different thing but, too. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Like we did an episode for this uh, uh, on Troll Two, which is considered one of like the worst movies ever made. But part of the fun of that is just watching and being like, "What the fuck are they doing right now?" And that's kind of the fun of that. It's, yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Troll Two. Is it, yeah. a, is it a horror? Uh, it's, it's not very scary. It's but yeah. not very scary. Was is that, that the one where they come out of the, the in- toilets? No. I don't know if they no, the that's toilet. the intention. And also like The Room. You know, we did that on an episode too because I had that was one of my black holes. I hadn't seen it. And so someone... That's like, different from Room? Or is that... The, oh, The, the, the Room yes, and different. Room are entirely yeah. different, different movies. Oh, okay. And now I insist you do a double bill. A bill. <laughs> <laughs> room and The Room? I recommend Which, Room first. Room first? <laughs> then The Room. All right. Yeah. And, and you'll probably get through The Room only because you won't be able to look away. You'll be just so mesmerized by the sheer... Like, what, what terrible cinema thing are they going to do next? It's so bad, it's wonderful. It's not like a human centipede kind of thing, is it? Like, is it? Horrible? No, it's just, no, no. It's it's meant to be like it's almost like a melodrama. 
Uh, no, it's not almost. It is a melodrama, but it was it, totally it, it, it was set out. You've seen it? Uh, I've seen enough of it. I saw the James Franco. Oh, remake. the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, yeah, the making of the, or the bio, the biopic. Yeah, the biopic, which was enough story. to be like, I really got to see this whole thing. But you do see clips of it, and it they basically reenact. The is whole this movie, the worst told, movie ever made? Is that this it's one? widely considered widely considered, and it, yeah. but, became, but also was quite successful, like in the long run because of because that. It, it was became so bad. It became I mean, a cult classic, yeah. and, and and people would they and they kind of Rocky Horror Picture Show to where people they'd have like these things that people would do at screenings, where it became like audience participation. As well, so it just became kind of a thing. But the beauty of it was that he thought he was like he was proud of the film he made, and it wasn't until the first screening where people just started laughing and ripping the thing apart. He's like, "Why is why are people enjoying my movie? Like this is a great film." But then very quickly he was like, "No, it's meant to be a comedy, right. and I'm a genius." Yeah, mm. yeah, got you. Uh, anyway, it's fa- you're, you're the look on your face. You're gonna you're gonna watch it now. It, and that's another interesting thing is like the the relationship of the filmmaker to their own film is really interesting. Like, you know, we've been on the film festival circuit and we've all seen a real range of movies in terms of the quality of them. Right. And, you know, you were rubbing elbows with the filmmakers and we'll see the film and then we'll meet the filmmaker and the filmmaker appears to be proud and very confident and proud and, and speaking, in glowing terms about their own film and, and then you see it and you're wondering like, is that PR or something else? And like, you know, talking about this guy, like did all these people that I've rubbed shoulders with, did they think their film was a great piece and they didn't, I don't know, you know, and I don't want to pass. I also don't want to be like, like who am I to be, Critical of other people. Everybody's on their own artistic journey, but you, I think you... I think at a certain point, too, when you finish this thing, it's like, we just got to get it out there. Yeah. You know, I think there's very few people who would put that kind of time and energy into creating a film then go, you know what? That was garbage. Let's yeah. Like this, I, you know I, I feel I mean? like, like I've met a number of these guys, though, like the one that you're talking about with The Room, where right. he didn't know the film wasn't good until the audience right. told him it wasn't. No, well, he's. I mean, he's a special case. He's, yeah. he's delusional beyond belief, but there are some, but I think it's also the kind of thing where it's like, you've got to believe in your own work to some extent or you're delusional. I've, I've met both where it's just, and for me, it's just like, I get to the point when my movies are done, like I'm really happy with them. I know I've done the best that I can do with, with whatever it is. And, you know, but even having said that I've done the best I can, that's different than I've just created the best film ever made. I'm right. You know, this is. A masterpiece, and everyone should love it. Versus, yeah, you but know I think did I also, a great job, and this is a film that works. And yeah, but I also think that that the person that created the work can't decide that it's a masterpiece sure. either. You know, because it's just like everyone should think that what they've made is a masterpiece, and it's just whether or not other people agree, right? And it's like, I also believe that it's like not every film is for everyone, nor it should oh, be. For sure. You know, I think even people, even films that are masterpieces, there'll be people that are like, that's a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's still, it's still just an amazing thing to me that how art, even, even the most you think straight down the line, Star Wars or pick your film, there is somebody out there that no, you feel like there's, this, there's nobody on the planet that can deny that this is just a good piece of film. You may not like it, but it's at least a good film. Yeah, you can watch it and you'll find somebody that you know who will say, I, I don't like it. I thought it was whatever. And it's like, just, it's amazing. That's, that's, my, that's but, my younger sister. We but, can't recommend films to each other. because That's the best film we've ever seen. 
like four minutes in, you're like, are you kidding me? Versus, yeah, I'll find something I love. You got to watch this. No. Like, there is just a disconnect there. But that's what's it's, great, too. Yeah. You know? that's. I think that's what's great. I think if everyone... It was either... I think if everyone either liked or hated something, I think we'd, have, we'd be in a pretty boring place and have a pretty boring... Yeah. <laughs> but you'd like to think that there are some... Universal j- truths? Some universal truths. You know, like, you know, in the age of Trump, that that there yeah. are, you know... Uh, what What is it? Uh, what do they say about... Fake news? Fake news and no facts anymore. The We live in a world, post-fact yeah. world. <laughs> You know, like that kind of thing. Like you, you feel like you just want one movie out there that you can like put in the center and say everyone can say it's great. Say, everybody can agree it's a well-made piece of cinema. That like, all right, we all agree this is a it's a good. It's not everybody loves it, but we all can agree that's a good film. Yeah, but it's all subjective. I mean, even like you know, when you win awards, it's like if the jury was different that year, someone else would have won. It's all like yeah. it's all. Well, Random that's luck. or what film you're up against that year. Yeah, suddenly it, you're like you look at like I look at the you, you know stacked, the Oscar so. race this year, and it's just like everyone's like so and so got robbed and so and so got robbed. And I'm like, this was a good year. Yeah, like, there was a lot of great performances that right. just sure. and a lot of great work. They just can't. They don't have enough space to recognize them all. But it's like even I think who it was uh, Woody Allen back in his heyday when he was winning Oscars, being nominated for Oscars. Even like he never went to the Oscars because he thought it was ridiculous to award someone for art because. He's like, it's subjective. How can you decide one piece of art is better than the other? It's like, I understand giving awards for track and running. That person crossed the finish line first. Right. They're better. But it's like, when it comes to art, it's like, there's no... Everyone, such, everyone has a personal level of standard. So it's like, how can you possibly judge it on a whole? And, you know, the only way they do that now is kind of with box office. Right. But you would argue that, you know... When you've got franchises, people show up just because. So when when we talk about this other, what was his name? The dude that made the room. Oh, oh, Tommy or what's up? Oh, yeah. So in light of what you just said, how do you like decide that this guy's film is good or bad? Then. Oh, you, I mean, I watch it and I'm like, this is a wonderful piece of garbage. Yeah, just because well, that's my I think personal too, Even taste. from a technical standpoint, that film is weak. Like, there are, there's a certain level where you watch them and the sound's poorly recorded. And then you got to go, okay, this is this is a hack. Like, it, it can't be... You can't yeah. put this film next to an Oscar contender because they just no. didn't have but the legs there. And, you, you know, like, yeah. at some point, like, this isn't... Can't be... It's, not, it's apples and oranges, you know? Like, no. once but, you get to a certain level, then you can get to the subjective point where, like, at least they were all crafted at a similar level. And now it's like, well, I didn't like the romance. I prefer the comedy. It gets yeah. different. I think there's a sort of a bar there, and his was well below. Well below. But to your point, bars. it's like, I think you can at least say that it's like, not everyone is going to love everyone, but you could argue that it's like, you know, certain films, it's clearly like there's enough people that loved it, and enough people, you know. Yeah, that, like Shakespeare, right? Like, you're not going to, Shakespeare's not my cup of tea, but I'm not going to say it's a piece of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he, he phoned it in on Romeo and Juliet. I'm not going to say that, right? <laughs> But he was just ripping off. But yeah. I don't well, like. How that. do we know? Was it a good year, or like was there a lot of great <laughs> stuff right now that we never heard about? Because Shakespeare was top of the box. I don't know. Office, was right? there anybody else? Know. It just seemed like he won every year. He was Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> and every year, Shakespeare. Yeah. All right. But his is just the stuff that survived. She doesn't like too, Star Wars. Right? That's like okay. the classics, the original. Like, how, how many people have you met don't like the film at all? My wife's but, not huge into that kind of stuff. Yeah, my, my wife son, like she does not like it, but she won't set out to I, watch it. I don't it. criticize no. it. I no. don't say this is a bad movie. I and it's say not for me. I, I, 
yeah. five minutes in, I fall asleep. Like, it's My wife just won't not... watch anything in a spaceship. Like, if it's in outer space, she's like, ah, I just can't even get it. it like, can't it's, there's hold, nothing it can't to hold, hold her. my attention. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's okay. She can't yeah, relate it's really to fine. That. No, it's not okay. But I don't... <laughs> don't ever say that it's okay to not love the original Star Wars. But I don't there's say it's the a Star bad... There's also the Star Trekkers who don't like Star Wars. But I don't Wars, say it's a bad movie. That's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a difference between yeah. yeah, someone some saying, oh, this is a terrible movie yeah. versus saying, it's not for me. It's not yeah. for me. Yeah. Speaking of Star Trek, though, you should ask, you should do the original Star Trek movie at some point. That's, that would be an interesting to, one to go My back son on. hasn't seen that yet, yeah. Yeah, I haven't done, we haven't done any Trek. We did, we did, do, I did, I did find someone who hadn't seen A New Hope. And the bald girl. Mm. So I was able to do an episode of A New Hope, and I got my son on it, too, because he'd seen it, but I got the despecialized version. Which he hadn't seen that had like all the old effects and mm-hmm. had like all the the originals before they added all the junk and the shit. Okay. I have a, con- a contemporary, my brother-in-law, who prefers the new Star Warses to the old ones. Now, now you can see, young people that makes more sense, right? Because they just have a different mindset, and that's what they've grown up with. They're, they're used yeah. to more flash on the screen. They're used anyway. to more speed, yeah. and, and but. Even my uh, contemporary of mine thinks Jar Jar Binks is better. Oh, he likes those ones. Yeah, he likes the new ones. I thought you meant like no, the, no, like no. The, the, the the refucked, the remastered, or whatever. No, no, no. Them. He likes he likes. Uh, oh, uh, like well, episodes I, one, two, three. One, two, three. I guess. Yeah. Well, and he's Pro- an he prefer. This is an adult. This is an adult. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting? Like I mean, Donald Trump got voted in. Yeah. I mean, where there's no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I asked my boss today if he still if he still uh, likes Donald Trump. He said, "Yeah." So That's okay. I just left it. <laughs> to, I mean, to each their own. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's maybe we should dive in and watch the movie, please, and then we'll sure. come back and we can decide whether or not we universally think this is a good movie or a piece of shit. <laughs> Didn't it win like a lot of awards? That's okay. <laughs> okay. Donald Trump is Did, president. Yeah. Yeah. He won a very big award. <laughs> Does anybody it was a bad any... year for film that year, let's just say. Yeah. I was just going to ask if does, does anybody have any, well, you've seen it, so not you, but you or you, you don't know anything but biases for or against it? My only bias is that, and I'll be honest, I have a difficult time with older films. With older films. Yeah. I'm worried I, I it's going to be I'm not necessarily slow. a cinephile. I've grown up yeah. watching tons of films. Yeah. I've watched tons of stuff. But I have a hard time going back sometimes. Yeah. I find a lot of older films remind me of that theater era where yeah. there's a lot of overacting. Okay. Sort of pre-Brando, pre, yeah. pre, pre, <laughs> really. Brando like, was one of those first actors that yeah. kind of brought that more Well, this is the 40s, style. so... Yeah. yeah. This is the 40s, so, so there's yeah. going to be a little bit of that. And right. it's also, without spoiling anything, the movie is based on a play. Right. Oh. Yeah, because it, it was <laughs> oh, no. either won or nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Yeah, right? we'll get into that, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cool backstory. That's, but that's uh, all right. Red, red flag. Yeah. They do uh, the monk debates. They say, what What do you think you're, what do you think the likely, how open are you, do you think, to changing your mind about it? I would say the likelihood is, <laughs> is low. Is low right now. <laughs> all right, so the based, bar, based on that last point. The bar is set low for this movie right now. <laughs> we'll be back. Okay. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, we just finished. (laughs) (laughs) We did it! We did it! We we made it through. You hated it. Oh my lord! I I an hour and forty five, right? You know when you go and see bad theater, 
and you're stuck and you don't you're not allowed popcorn, you're not allowed a drink, you're not allowed a chocolate bar or twizzlers or anything. It's just you and the four actors on the stage or whatever it is at uh, pick your theater of and your you're choice. the only person in the theater so and you feel obliged to yeah, watch it. Yeah, and the five other people you know. <laughs> you know their fr- friends and family cast and you are just muscling through it just muscling through every moment and you're like it's gotta be an hour and a half by now it's gotta be it's gotta be it must have been an hour and a half like 20 minutes ago (laughs) so i'm really proud of us i'm really proud of us shockingly enough i didn't dislike it nearly as much as vlad um I was into it. Oh! I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> what? Get out of here. I, I have to admit that the end of the well, it's just tied, like that was, the that, that really fell apart for the me. The ending is not strong. No. Um, it really fell apart there. You at guys the end, enjoyed but. that? You had an enjoyable experience. I would have. More than I thought I would, yeah. For I would sure. have made As I said, it I'm not a fan of 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. Like, yeah you need, can go through and tighten it up sure. by today's standards, but so that part's annoying. The things were drawn out a little too much by today's standards, but I liked the story. I mean, I love rom-coms and I Nothing love, happened. And I love... That's one of my complaints. It was very linear. Like, there was no real... And then mm-hmm. suddenly it was like, oh my god, nothing's happened for an hour. Let's just uh, make out, forget, marry, I don't know. Married, don't get I'm married, very boom, let's impressed. tie this <laughs> I'm very impressed with the journey a female protagonist went through in 1940. For I'm really forty, that, that yeah. you thought there was a journey. Absolutely. Oh wow! <laughs> no, go on. No. I I think that she. It was an hour and forty five minutes of watching a woman try and figure herself out. Like I didn't mm-hmm. think that movies gave that storyline that much attention. In that time. In that time. I yeah. really didn't. For that didn't time, too, her driving the car, the other woman dropping her off. Like no, there I'm was not, a, There was I'm a few not, moments I'm like that I'm not talking that about me. female empowerment things as far as females being employed and being, you know, ha- having a voice in politics. I'm not talking about those standard things. Right. I mean, it was a woman's journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. Finding out who, like, her, how she feels on the inside. Like... I didn't think that movies from that time period would give that subject matter an entire film. Mm-hmm. And they did. And I'm really impressed by that. And I was into it. It was like her hour and 45 minute therapy session for the lady. I don't know. I yeah. was into it. <laughs> well, that's kind of what it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, to give you some backstory on this movie. So this is 1940. Um, at this point in time, Catherine Hepburn is box office poison. You mean when it was released? No. 1940. It, up to this, nobody would cast her in anything. She was written off because uh, Bringing a Baby bombed, another film called Holiday bombed, and in those movies, have now, Bringing a Baby is now considered a classic as well. But uh, at the time, she couldn't sell tickets. Nothing was going on. Uh, George Cooker, the director who was like one of her best friends, they ended up making 10 films together in total, had been fired off of The Wizard of Oz, had been fired off of um, Gone with the Wind after shooting, like starting to shoot those movies, he's been kicked off, right? Wow. That's why there's a little Wizard of Oz kind of jab in there when he's drunkenly singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Yeah. yeah. So both of them are like shitsville right now. Gone oh. with the Wind jab as well. Yeah. Dinah was doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Lydia. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 this is something the else. The Little Sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was thinking of the song Lydia. 
And she's I love that little moment. Um, <laughs> and anyway, so Catherine Hepburn um, was begged to return to the to the theater uh, by the this playwright, and so she worked with him to custom create the Philadelphia story. So she was part of the development of the play and had him basically write it for her as a vehicle. Um, And Howard Hughes, who was like her boyfriend, I guess, at the time, uh, and one of the, you know, a billionaire, uh, you know, fronted the play, gave her the rights to it. And so when it was a big smashing success on the stage, Hollywood came calling for it, but the the condition was that she had to play the lead. Ah. And so this... And she played the lead on stage. Yeah. yeah. And this reinvade, reinvigorated her career. Mm. Um, and when was this movie released? 1940. So just okay. like a year... So just at like... In Gone with the Wind and Wizard of Oz were both released in 1939. Mm-hmm. So like the press was eating up... You know, the Hollywood mm-hmm. press was eating up Cooker for being you know, shit-canned off of two of the biggest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this also kind of sparked his career back up as well. Um, but this was like one of those spec sales that you heard about in the eighties where, you know, I think it went for like $250,000 at the time, which is like, you know, the equivalent of 4.5 million Mm -hmm. now. Right. So it was a huge deal. And she was one of the first stars that deferred part of her salary for ownership at the Mm. box office. Hmm. And she made a shit ton of money Mm. by doing so. That's awesome. Uh, And and she wanted Cary Grant and James Stewart. Mm -hmm. Cary Grant demanded top billing, which everyone was happy to give him because her name was nothing at the point. Mm -hmm. And James Stewart thought he was the wrong person for the part and ended up winning Best Actor in the Oscars. Yeah. And it wasn't even going to go that night. Yeah. He was like, he was called up for the ceremony when someone found out he wasn't you coming. It was really like, you come. should probably come. <laughs> this is before before the uh, the accounting firm has has taken over and made everything super secret. Right. Uh, yeah, I think James Stewart in this is phenomenal. Of course. Like he like for for when you think about the time, the style of acting, and it's a bit over the top, it's a bit theatrical, but it's like what he's doing is very different than what Cary Grant's doing. Yeah. You know, there's moments where, like, his, I will say their hungover acting is not, you know, the yeah, best, the, but uh, their, yeah. their drunk acting is but charming as hell. he's famous. Yeah, I didn't mind the drunk acting, actually, at all. He's, it was definitely over the top and very theatrical, but it's also, I don't know, they sort of embrace it, where sometimes people play that either just too bad, or it felt too, yeah, I don't know. I was surprised how much I enjoyed there, that. There was a realness to it, despite the quality. Like, the, yeah, I the, thought everybody was with me. I thought uh, you guys were all with me. I thought we all just suffered. No, through, like you were cringing towards together. the end. That's, it definitely was. It went south towards the end. It just but see, yeah, this tied returned, up a little neatly. But this returns but, us to our original conversation before we even started. This whole universal that it's like, how can how can there not be a universal truth to, to cinema and, and people's opinions? We, the three of us enjoyed it enough, and you didn't. So that was. Uh, there's literally uh, a torturous, un- <laughs> like painful experience. <laughs> it was it was hard. It was hard. That was work. And I'm I'm like when you guys are talking about, I mean I, you know you can use that caveat of like for the time I guess. But I was thinking about this during. Well, you have to st- you have to judge everything just, by the context. Just, of the just, time. just let me finish. No? Just let me finish this point, which is that when you listen to music, or see art from a period of time, you don't give you don't require the same caveat to 
to consider its merit. I think you I do, do for sure. No, you can you, music. You might not necessarily relate to the style, but you you can't you can't argue the uh, the technical uh, skill of a musician and a composition from the 1920s, even if it's like ragtime jazz or or some early big band piece that doesn't not doesn't do it for you. It's still technically sound. You can still hear good musicianship, good composition. That acting is was it's like it's a it's a handbook for what not to do. Mm. Now. Now, like sure. nowadays that's ex- that's a whole like thing of like this is all the things that you need to avoid while acting. In the modern era. No. Like it's a it's like a play by play of what not to do. Nope. No, it's not. Wow. <laughs> I'm not saying that that's the best movie I've ever seen. I, but you can't say that that that's a playbook for what not to do. When there were such beautiful, lively, spontaneous things happening in what must have been a very strict rehearsed set having it been a play love the daughter or what, what was her <laughs> love the 10 year old she was the, she was the easily was the, the most, best actor I mean, on well, in I, that whole movie. i love dino as the character but she's uh, the weakest actor of the whole bunch she was the best actor of the whole bunch that's funny my favorite's the photographer i think she, she was I, good I, I she was her. all right she, she was, was all right great. she did something this is this is uh a script that has been run into the ground on stage and for them to still find lovely spontaneous moments that's not a I don't I disagree that that's a what not to do I think it's really funny too that you mentioned music like I think like look at what different eras and different times when you listen to music now from before like put on the Beatles white album like even we were listening to that the other day my daughter's like is this really the Beatles like it's so different then you listen to other bands and what they're doing at the time you're like holy crap, this is way different than the time. So other films released in this era too, like, where does this sit on but that? That's what I mean, like, too, yeah. and I think if that's important to, like... other movies released in the 40s. Instead yeah. of just saying, oh, for that time and era, it was okay or whatever, but you have to look at what what's up against the, at that time too, right. right? But And to both, like, your both of your points, like, this is incredibly progressive for the time in terms of, like, storyline... But also style of acting, like it seems very over the top for us now in 2019, 2020. Mm-hmm. But eighty years ago, yes, eighty years ago, this kind of acting, it does. like there's it nuance does. going on in this that doesn't exist in other films of the time period. I also uh, think I also think there's like well, nuance. It, nuance. I think part of nuance is subtlety, and there was zero subtlety in any of the acting that we just watched. I don't know if I agree with that. I think there's this. I think for the time again, you have to you have to judge a piece of work like this in the context of its time. I'll go after Nicole. You can say you don't enjoy it, but I think. But again, like you're saying, it's like you to subjectively look at it and say that it's just of its. It's not of its time. I think that's a hard. I just don't understand that. I guess. Anyway, what was Nicole going to say? Just that as an audience member, I'm hungry for people doing things a, a little bigger. Like, the, I, I feel like having been, I went through a lot of acting school. Like, I was in university for theater for way too long. And there's this glorification of being very still and quiet and not doing anything with your face because this is what natural is. And it's, and it's awful. And you, and, and one of your favorite performances is 
Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda, and he's giant in that mm-hmm. movie. And I just think to to like I don't think there's anything inauthentic with Big. Just because no, it's no, like no, I just, think I think it's well, and I get to when you're talking about those subtle nuances, like that catches in an extreme close up. Like and the, the camera never went tighter so than his shoulder ever yeah. in that whole movie. Like they don't do close ups. Most you, of that is still played out in wide moving shots, which is more theatrical and is bigger, so yeah. those nuances would have been lost in those larger shots, and I think you I still don't think needed big that amount of it. It all starts, you, you can't get past these put-on voices. All these, I mean, we could do an interview of the, the whole thing like this, where we do everything at the end. Yeah, but our, she was famous for that, right? No, but they're all put, it, put on voices, so it starts there. It starts there. So you refer to Kevin Klein, but Kevin Klein was using his own voice. He was talking with his own voice. And one of the thing, one of the mistakes that I think we all make um, when we're when we're ascertaining the merit of artwork is is that artwork has and the Academy is like the freaking like exhibit A for this mistake which is that art has to be highfalutin for it to be acknowledged as technically artistically proficient. If, you know, for instance, like you can find some of the best acting in Star Wars or The Abyss, but nobody's ever going to look, or A Fish Called Wanda, which is like an outlier in terms of like sort of an everyman film that is acknowledged for technical expertise. That doesn't happen. Normally, these bodies, these juries, they think they have to do these um, cultural backflips, like social, cultural, uh, artistic backflips in order for something to be uh, merited or worth merit. So you, so I know I'm getting long winded here, but basically like you, these people are being acknowledged as being, as having great performances. But I bet if you went and looked at the wizard of Oz, I bet you believe Dorothy or some, some of these other actors a hundred times more than, than any of these people who are playing real people. And that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare those two. One's a fairy tale, and one's yeah. I mean, I mean, I think the bottom line is you, you didn't like it, and that's okay. <laughs> I can't get, I can't, I cannot get past that veneer that all those actors put on when yeah. everybody talks like this and they move very quickly towards each other and they suddenly rush into each other's arms and all those awkward hugs. Like, See, I, 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 I like that a, less as an actor and more of that class difference. Yeah. And that was they all choice in a portrayal, but it was less with like the photographer didn't have that. They all did it. The guy was a little drunk here, but certainly less than the other people. Like I noticed differences in all the characters. Like there wasn't was also, as if, yeah, but even like when they when they were first putting on airs for and for that you know facade of, of pretending that the the photographer was who they were at the beginning. Yeah. Like when she first came in the room, for sure she was putting it on. Yeah, and then the moment. She saw him again in the library. She acted like a human being with him. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's still yeah, there's still the veneer of the style of acting of the time, um, and, and and I can understand that's someone's thing or not someone's thing. Just like someone might just go, I see Star Wars and I'm not interested because of spaceships, and and I can see how for this era of film you go, 
that style of acting just doesn't do it for me. I can't get into it. Mm-hmm. But again, you can't say that it's bad just because that style is just kind of not. Your... I, I, I'm saying that. <laughs> no, but you're, you're, I, I am saying that. Just, just so you know, I am I, saying that. Sure, you're allowed to say that, but it, but it just, but it's the same thing as someone saying I don't like Star Wars because I just don't like science fiction. And that's fine. And I can, I can totally accept anybody not liking a style, a genre, or whatever. Like that's different from, as Kaylee pointed out. A requirement of just technical execution, a certain a certain floor that needs to be met before you can even consider it on its artistic merit. And you don't think that movie met that floor? Not at all. It like like the I couldn't believe that ADR thing where he's singing the song and it wasn't even close. Ah, it wasn't even close for like it must have been fifteen seconds. I, I was astounded. Like, how is this not like they didn't redo this in 2003 or whatever? Like, that's something that should have been fixed somewhere along the way for an Oscar winning picture. And they've left that in there. Like, there's worse mistakes in bigger movies than that. I don't know. That's one of the biggest. I mean, when you about technical, too, you were going to mention. Like, yeah, I want to know what that is. And that because I didn't catch. Oh, so the, this is the first film to do a freeze frame for, that ends the movie. Oh. It's, it's widely uh, considered. Okay. Wi- most people think that 400 Blows did it, but it was actually this. Oh. Didn't even catch that. Was that? I was already. I already said. Wedding photo at the end. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, th- this was like the first film that kind of did that as a thing. Anyway, it's a small little nerdy trivia thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what about story then? All right. So, you guys, you actually enjoyed the story. I mean, I think, like, I agree with Nicole that it's like, I would look at this now and I would take scissors to it. Uh, it's hard. I think you would, um, I think it's, I, what I really enjoy about this is it's not like, it's, it's, it's very much a rom-com. It's a very simple story. It's not like, you know, life and death, big stakes kind of thing. It's just, it's, a, it's very much what it is. It's just a light kind of airy piece. And and for that I enjoy I enjoy it on those terms going, this is the kind of thing I'm watching and are they achieving that? And I look and I see, you know, the scenes with the the creepy fucking uncle, um, uh, <laughs> Pinchy McPinterson. Yeah. Uh, oh Willie. Like, you know, any any scene that basically our our four leads and Dinah aren't in, I could just get trim it up and, and move on from it. But it's like when any, I, I would be trimming the actual repetition of her self-discovery. That, yeah, yeah, it's also that, but it's also that's kind of the style of the era, too, is yeah. things, things are hit over the head two or like, three times, yeah. so Come audiences on. really get it, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, because they thought audiences needed all that repetition, and they realized over time they don't, you right. know? So I think all that kind of stuff. It's just any time any of those four leads are just, like, mixed or matched together, it was it's just magical and fun to watch. Like, just watching... James Stewart wake up, Cary Grant in the middle of the night, drunk, yeah. yeah, and just like just that their interplay. It's just for me. It's just like it's candy, yeah. You know, I, I w- was watching Cary Grant. I haven't seen a Cary Grant movie since I was a kid, and I was astounded at the robot that I was watching on the screen. A wooden. He he, he moved literally like a robot, <laughs> yeah. and all of his expressions were like a human being reinterpreting what human <laughs> beings 
look and sound like. <laughs> and I was like, he must have about 45 dead bodies in his basement. <laughs> like, <laughs> Cary Grant, I don't know how he hasn't been outed, like, at this point, but there's somebody, if you're, if somebody in LA is listening to this, find his old residence if, it, if the basement hasn't been dug up yet, and there must be dead bodies in there. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. A little bit. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, like, I'm not sure if I was sitting on a Sunday afternoon, I would have sat through this on my couch by myself, but, you know, in this company and having to sit here and watch it, I was surprised with how easy it was to watch, really. Yeah. Uh, it, it falls apart for me at the end. The end yeah, just goes, what is happening? Yeah. And why? I lo- well, I, suddenly became a farce. It for, kind of for did. N- well, just, I forgive f- you for cheating on me last night, and that's fine. And then also that, and that's fine. And you also cheated on me today. Well, yeah, it's all good. Let's just go. And she she like, was what? doing a whole bunch of stuff that she hadn't done the whole movie. Like set, like it became a different kind of film, really. Yeah, it was weird. I I, if I remember the first time watching it when she starts calling the wedding off. It's like this is the nice refreshing ending. For, I, I think it was also yeah. that it's like I think it's this. This comes down to just this is like. Hayes production code is just starting to kick in, right? Which is where everything became. Everything has had a happy Happy ending. ending, A woman has to be married. What did you call it? The Hayes production code. Haste. The Hayes. Hayes. So like when the second when World War Two kicks in, which is right around this time, it's very it's very much about American morals. Men and women have to be. They can't go to bed unless they've been married. It's just, we aren't going to watch anyone go to the bathroom. There's just, like, all these things start happening. So what's kind of interesting, uh, and but we're just on the cusp of it. 1940s is just on the cusp of it. And what's interesting to your point of, like, you didn't know that they could tell stories like this with women in 1940. It's like, mm-hmm. that's because within two or three years from now, they, they, they don't anymore. do it anymore. Right. They're stopping to do it. But in the 1930s, there's a bunch of, and but it's this very small window of, of cinema because before the 1930s, you know, early 30s, we don't have sync film. You know, everything's silent films, right? So there's this very small window where there's these kind of films that we got that would be akin to the kind of stuff they they were doing in Europe in the 70s, where it's like they're telling stories about people having affairs and all these kind of things you don't Mm. don't associate with classic, with old cinema because Mm. we're used to seeing things from the 40s on, which is all Hayes production code, which is squeaky clean, American propaganda. So there's especially, there's this um, filmmaker called Ernst Lubitsch who kind of like was uh, one of Billy Wilder's mentors. Billy Wilder made like The Apartment and uh, and films like that. But Ernst Lubitsch made these body comedies in the 30s that are downright naughty and Mm. just full of, not even innuendo, they're just like sex comedies (laughs) that you're like, how the fuck was this being made in the 30s? Okay. Uh, but it's interesting to look back at that kind of stuff. But so I would imagine for a film like this, they'd probably it was probably just the studio coming and going. No, she has to be married at the end. She has to marry somebody. There's three fucking men in this movie. Yeah. I don't care. Pick, flip a coin and have her marry somebody. That's probably my bit. My biggest critique. Like I kind of really liked the ending where she says no to them and was just going to be her old end? woman, like who's gone through that. But I don't know. I don't know how the play ended. I'm sure we can find it online. But mm-hmm. probably the same. I, I mean, maybe not the same. But I can imagine it'd be that, interesting that, to add as a, like a postscript if you can find the yeah. original. But I can only imagine that was a yeah. studio note. Is like she's got to be married yeah. at the end. And it clearly can't be these two because she just said no. Wow, it's got to be the old guy. Because that to me was shocking. I I kind of I didn't no, even really see him re- there trying to win her back. I kind of saw him there like did. messing with everything. What was the, the whole, whole time? Cut? No, 
no, he was clearly playing. He's encouraging this was the other guy. The whole and like, time. But this, by getting his I didn't know ex-wife to cheat on her other guy with no, another dude? That's their, gonna win her their back. Their so... when the 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 their tete-a-tete when he's trying to give her a drink that you could see, you, I know you don't like his acting, but you could see the whole time all of his leading questions to her was, don't talk about yourself that way, Red. He was he the, yeah. he was plotting the whole time. Hey, I was thinking of doing another boat. Love too. Like it was, he was planning this the whole time. Mm. He knew he was going to marry her again. He showed up knowing he was going to marry her. Absolutely. Uh, I don't. That wasn't. I wasn't surprised at all. I totally was. But I watch a and lot it, of rom coms. But, <laughs> but to that point too, and what I liked about what Cary Grant's doing here, which is what the character's doing, and what's interesting is when they offered the movie to Cary Grant, they said pick whichever part you want, and he picked this part, which is considered the less flashy part because it's not because he's just kind of there on the sidelines, mm-hmm. just slowly guiding things, and mm-hmm. not. Be, but he's also what I like about it is he's. He's kind of manipulating the whole thing. Absolutely. But not in an aggressive, like, annoying way where he's, like, pushing people together mm-hmm. and trying to cause trouble. He's just, he's Iago. He's setting up yeah. pieces and seeing how they fall. The way that you said it with the sidelines, the way that character just suddenly appeared, <laughs> like, right There was a few of those. There's, where did that guy come There from? was about <laughs> 55 of them where they just suddenly there... And, and she changes incredibly quickly too. Like she, I didn't know who lived in that house anymore. Like it was fucking. He asked me, "Does he live there? Yeah. Does he live there?" Well, they were just everybody was just suddenly there when they needed to be. Like yeah. it just happened over and over again. It was just hilarious. He whispered me, "Do you know what's happening?" I'm like, "Yes." Do you want me to tell you? What was? What, I kept thinking like. We can now anybody now these indie productions that are happening now have surpassed what A-level Hollywood production was doing in 1940. I guess it took 70 years, which maybe, I don't know if that's good or bad, that it's taken that long only or, but anyways, like now you can, now you can raise a few bucks, get yourself a a good camera, a good sound guy, and you can, you can put together a film that is every bit as good as, the film that we just watched. Yeah, I mean, every the, bit is. There's good. nothing really easily. No, it's it's not. Yeah, you're not no, going to be able to put it in the cannon. In a stable in the mansion alone is not going to be done. What was that poor little pony budget. dragon? That whatever that was. <laughs> like, does that even count as a carriage? <laughs> the it was like a carriage, reasons yeah. we can't get that shit out anymore. But no, but that's it. But you could have made. I mean, right now, like if you were to make this movie now, even though you have this giant mansion, it's pretty much all one location except yeah. for there's that office scene in the beginning. You know, you can make this movie for a couple million dollars now. Some you somebody could remake this film for less for sixty thousand dollars. Somebody no, could remake this freaking film. If you had the location they for had, free. What? If you, if you had the location. If you had the location for free, there was there was six actors in the entire film except yeah, for the party, the party cars, scene. No, but horses, those are all two two days. Those are two days. The party scene. Party scene's one day. That's the same day as the wedding. Yeah, you shoot the same day as the wedding. Same day as the wedding. All the crowd stuff, right? That you get all that stuff first, and you no, just you have could. your other for actors. Sure. If you had the location for free. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah, but that's kind of... But that was the kind of movie they were making back then, right? So if somebody's smart, they should remake this film, and the indie remaking of, of Philadelphia's... Or I guess you, the rights. That would be the problem. The rights to tell a story. I think this is the Warners. Uh, yeah. It's in their catalog. I'm not sure. And also it's a bunch of people would too. hate it, like you. 
No, but if you're retelling it, if you're doing this indie thing and that's your whole... I think it was remade. There was a movie called High Society that I think it was remade as sometime in the 70s. So it has been remade a couple of times in different iterations. It was not called The Philadelphia Story. Uh, I could be wrong about the High Society one, but I think it has been adapted in some in certain different ways. I, I I just love that. I think it's fascinating that our conversation came full circle from like the beginning before we were talking and just getting into like a, a you know a higher level just of like how is it possible that some people like just can't understand that something is good or or bad and that we've all had this like. I'm, I'm so startled that, like, I, I thought you guys were all with that, with me and my feeling of, like, and how suffering. That, and how does that feel? How does it make I'm feel? shocked. <laughs> like, I thought, like, like, I know she, you knew how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no idea that you were enjoying yourself. I, that you were enjoying, the, she hates so many movies. <laughs> she hates so many, all the movies that we watch together, we, she, she either falls asleep or turns off. I, I'm shocked. Yeah. But this was homework. This wasn't me choosing a film and yeah. watching it. Like, you know, I, I wanted to pick a film that mm-hmm. I hadn't seen before. And it was really hard for us to find one that we had, Did you both this? hadn't seen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I was tickets. trying to... Well, it was like there was a few contenders being thrown around. And, okay. I, and I hadn't seen this one. And <laughs> I don't know. And, I, and it's one of those things where it's like, I, I feel like I should... Because he's right. I, I, I turn a lot of movies off and I, or I fall asleep. You know, I, movies are very passive. So, you know, as soon as my brain's left to do its own thing, I fall asleep. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm going to pick something that's more like... Like film school. Yeah. I want to pick something that's like a lot of people. They probably Catherine watch Hepburn's this yeah. huge iconic, yeah. Icon- yeah, iconic actress. I don't know her films. I don't know anything about her. I just know how SNL makes fun of her. Like I don't know her, you know. Yeah. So it's like a, uh, it's kind of like homework. Like as mm-hmm. as someone in the industry, let's learn about an old timey film that lots the of canon. people know about. Yeah, right. And it was hard to find one that I hadn't already seen. So, anyways. Um, I'm not saying it's the best movie I've ever seen. I'm just saying I I could appreciate I could appreciate things about it. Now I just want to mention because a fish called Wando was a thing that we talked about recently um, with Norm Wilner, and we did some research on that. And it turns out Archie Leach, which is John Cleese's character's name, is Cary Grant's real name. Oh, that's Archie funny. Archie Leach. So. I'm suddenly watching that with that in mind, and and then right off the top of the film, they he, he does that face push to Catherine Hepper, that which is in a fish called Wanda. He pushes on her face by the face onto the bed. Yeah, and, so and, that's a callback to this. Yeah. yeah, I think there was a bunch of them. I think all, yeah. all the stuff that was in the house at Archie Leach's house, yes. was like they were doing all sorts of. Yeah, that that that. What, what do they call it? Well, there's homages, homage. but there, but even no, no, no. Uh, s- s- satirizing and no, the like it was it's like a, fra- a French scene or something you called it Maison scene. Oh, no. uh, the, the type of farce yeah. where it's like, Arle- oh, what? Uh, Who Arle- Arle- is Arle- Arle- what is that? Comedy? What's Arlecchino? Anyways, but the whole like hello, daddy, and then the dad shows up, hello, uncle, like all that stuff. That's all over comedy of errors, yeah, or Commedia dell'arte. All those. Tricks, first tricks. Anyways, I love all that stuff. Yeah. 
No, but it's interesting. But that, I mean, I love that you you recognize that. There's like there's as you go back and you watch these older movies, you start going, oh, that's from that, and that's from yeah. And they pulled this out of this. Uh, anything anything that you guys as directors as technicians were like, um, I'm just always impressed by. I mean. You know the, the the style of film is so different in this era because they're trying to be more efficient in, in weird ways, and and you know editing isn't quite what we have. You know we don't have the editing system we have now. They're all editing on flatbeds, and so you know they shoot these big long wonders, and this mm-hmm. film is full of them, which yeah. can affect the pacing, depending right. whether or not you like that kind of thing or not. But there was a lot of scenes where. I would argue it's hard. You probably don't even realize you're watching. You've been watching a wonder for the last three minutes, mm-hmm. just because the staging is so I, I fluid <laughs> and interesting. Sure, no, but that's because you weren't into it. But I think yeah. if you're into it and you're and you're just enjoying the performance and everything, I think you're. It's kind of like, it, it's the way Spielberg does wonders, where a lot of they're called. I call them invisible wonders, and the idea is like you can't even tell that you're watching a wonder because just the 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 way. The actor now moves and it turns into a two shot now, and it turns back into a one mm-hmm. shot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot like that whole scene. It's to the coverage in the shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that whole scene where uh, James Stewart and Catherine O'Hara are like it's post party and they're just out in the balcony, or not the balcony, they're out in like the patio mm-hmm. before they go swimming. Mm-hmm. I think there's two shots in that whole scene. Yeah, and that's right. like a six seven minute scene, mm-hmm. uh, and they're just they never they're not cutting away. They're charming, and that's why. And that's a scene where. Uh, where I completely agree with Nicole that it's like the, the little flourishes and nuances they're doing that are just like ch- within that knowing how te- knowing they got to hit this mark yeah. and move here and the focus pullers pulling there's no video assist in 1940 you know what I mean so the technical craftsmanship of these wonders and the actors having to hit these marks yeah. and still being able to have some kind of play play inside mm-hmm. their performances I look at that going, that's pretty remarkable, and I think there's a level of craft on both the acting side and the filmmaking side that most people just don't even know is going on there Yeah. Uh, at the, for that time of filmmaking. I drew my attention to that, too, in the same, like, the glasses in the hands, the things, like, those subtle things that people would often, oh, we need a cutaway of that, we need a cutaway of that, and I agree, like, you say the acting was bad, but there were several times where it was like, oh, that... They haven't cut yet like that, but I was mm-hmm. starting to drift and just watch the actors. Whereas for me, the second you cut, that's when I look at what's going on on the other side of the room. Like that's it's when people chop things up too much. Like if the movie's really good, you're playing the scene. It's, you're watching mm-hmm. theater. You your eyes go mm-hmm. in, but that's what we're doing. We're going. We're not just cutting to the other side of the room and breaking you out of that moment. Like that's I, I really enjoyed that. Well, you're letting the, like, you're letting the actors. And the filmmakers are there too. I mean, he's directing them, but it's like they're they're creating the pace of the movie mm-hmm. yeah. and their performances. And just to the idea that that was obviously rehearsed a bunch of times. What if I grab this glass first and put this there, and then I'm gonna go to the gun cabinet and we're gonna do this? Mm-hmm. And this is like rather than just look, we'll just sit here and then we'll go over, over, and we'll make sure on the over there's some candle in the mm-hmm. background. And we'll make sure that looks good, and we'll play with the scene like that instead of like, no, let's get up and move and let's show the rest of this beautiful apartment we've dressed and like. Like, working as a technician in film, too, the amount of times you enter a location that these guys have spent two nights dressing, and then the shot is this, and you're like, we don't even see three of the mm-hmm. walls in the room. Like, why did no. you have these 12 guys here all night dressing this? Mm-hmm. Well, just in case I get in the room. So you really didn't plan this out to, mm-hmm. you know, whereas these guys, they wanted the lighter there that they walked by on the table mm-hmm. right from the setup. So he walks out, 
they played that gag up earlier too and he lights it and steals the lighter like all that was all thought out so far ahead as opposed to let's cover this and then when we're sitting in the editing room we can clean it up you know rom-coms I find that impressive yeah rom-coms that are made now are just like master scene technique yeah it's like let's get a master let's get a Y and let's shoot Mm -hmm. two cameras close up so we can get extra jokes in and, mm-hmm. and and we'll figure out the pacing and the speed and everything in the editing room. Yeah. Where it's like they're doing it on the floor mm-hmm. here. They're making decisions and they're and you know whether you enjoy them or not, they're sticking to them on the on the, the time and the way. Just doing all that kind of stuff is I don't. Know. To to me, it was all very clunky. The the deliberate list, the the deliberateness and the self consciousness, both of the acting and and the um, uh, technical craft was very obvious to me. Uh, I think of Woody Allen and I think he does a lot of these wonders, right? Oh sure, but he's and, and he's le- and this is his these are his heroes. But he doesn't but you don't get that same sense of clunkiness and and self-consciousness from a from a Woody Allen wonder that you do like some, some of my favorite films are Woody Allen films, Crimes and Misdemeanors comes yeah. to mind. And I think of this one wonder with Angelica Houston and it's it's this w- super wide shot in her tiny little apartment. Somehow they do a yep. super wide in her tiny little apartment, and she's behind this like overhanging cover with just this cutout to see through. And sh- the whole thing is you barely can even see them. And I know that it was interesting hearing what you were saying because I was thinking all that craftsmanship. You want to be able to see it, and you want to be able to show it. And that's an that's a that's the difference of a director versus the t- the technician the technician they've pay- been paid and they've been all that labor but it's the director who who's telling the story who knows that yeah we have all this stuff and it's good that we have all this stuff so that I can choose not to use it and yeah, that's films, man. Like, it's like that. Like, you sometimes just throw all that shit away so you can just be left with whatever you know is the most important thing to show in any given scene. Yeah, but it, depending on I me, mean, it can also be inefficient just to go, why? Like, when I do a scout for a location, I can tell the des- designer, I'm like, I'll never see that wall. Don't even bother dressing it. You know, as opposed to going and dress the entire thing because I'm, I'm going to make it up on the day. Yeah. And sometimes that happens. You need to or do Or you that. know what works great? This corner can be the living room and then that wall we can dress as the office. And yeah. we pan around and we're out of here. But I think, and that's what... Because that's, that's, this is what we need to tell our story. And again, like, do I need to pick up of that thing there or that thing there? No, but you should still work within that space. And, that, and I just, it was just sort of refreshing to not cut so often. And I think a lot of times we're cutting because the wall ends or right. we haven't dressed this set or whatever. The guy can't remember his next line. So let's just chop this into little pieces and we'll put it together later versus these people. They had the whole, it was a play that they were then mm-hmm. shooting, you know, and instead of like being clunky too, well, sure. The dolly was a ton and a half and it's <laughs> eight feet wide. Like there's a thousand foot mag on the back of those cameras. They're not slipping through tiny cracks and you know, the optics aren't there to do the same wide shots. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I easily forgave that stuff more than I would something nowadays seeing something clunky. You don't have an excuse anymore. Whereas these guys are still inventing it as well. You know, they don't have they this also, movie to reference when they're making their movies now. Cause their yeah. reference is asylum film, like, or theater or theater. Yeah. 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 Well, they were shooting a stage play basically, yeah. really, yeah. which I would, and that's where I would argue. It's like, you know, 
I would I would encourage filmmakers who do more dialogue heavy movies, you know, whether it's rom coms or just dramas, is to go back and watch films of this era, like like a film like this, because the staging in these films are incredible. Where now we just get a lot of often people sit down in a room and sit on the couch and we put yeah. two cameras on them and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and you can get away with that, but it's like if you just do that over and over again in your movie, it's like you're not. It's not cinema. Well, again, I go back to shooting that cheaply, like. Half the time you're sitting on a couch is because, well, when they walk over the corner, I can't expose that anymore because I can't light a thousand foot walk and talk like these studios can because they've got a whole row of yeah. lights running down the driveway because even at time they're still spending big bucks to create these huge scenes and these big walks. And mm-hmm. I thought it was refreshing to be so wide all the time and to see so much, whereas so mm-hmm. often now we're just honing in on this character and making things work in these mm-hmm. smaller places because, yeah, it's more affordable and you can still tell the story in here, but... It's kind of refreshing to see all that other stuff, the nonsense with the horse stable, and <laughs> you know, like didn't necessarily need any of that. That could have no, been a conversation. The, it sells the world outside the garage, the, right? But you know, it's we watched um, the mask with our daughter uh, about a year ago. You Jim Carrey, the mask. Oh, you didn't watch it with us? No. Really? Oh, gosh. carry on with the story. I, well, in my mind, you're there. How's you're, that work? Oh, all right. Okay, so she and I were watching the... Oh, not, uh, not Ace Ventura, not not The Mask. Oh. Sorry, pardon me, Ace Ventura. You were there for that, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> she was too young to... Or I think was too young... She was too young. ...to get the humor, I guess, that... To get the sexual innuendos. Well, no, everything. All of the humor, really. Oh, yeah. A lot, like, whatever Jim Carrey was doing in that film, <laughs> the comedy didn't play for her. So she spent the entire film... Going, why did he do that? Why is he acting like that? It's so. What's he doing? But it was huge at the time. <laughs> but she. Also, but this is a seven-year-old girl yeah. that is going. You think slapstick clown? Yeah, would get it. But she didn't understand why he was doing anything, and that's what I felt like. This whole Philadelphia. Story why is he movie. doing that? Why? Are they well, letting why are do they that? doing that? Why? So why far. is he saying that? Why is what is he doing? Yeah. Why did she say that? Yeah. I gotta ask. Like I didn't think none of it made sense to me behaviorally. How how does the ending of Ace Ventura play now? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it like based on? It's still a, good, man. It's still good. Oh really? Yeah. It's it's a homophobic. It's totally. Yeah. Homophobic. They're all spinning. Oh, yeah. she kissed me too. <laughs> like, like, yeah. It feels like yeah. that. Mo- oh, it's good stuff. Oh, yeah. I was thinking it's funny because so it came up recently, and then I remember that. And I'm like, oh god. Yeah. I I feel like you can't watch that. Like just with the crying game, right? Oh, <laughs> is it? Isn't it? They play the crying game during when they're all vomiting and. Uh, no, yeah. they just all realize that this woman is a man, and she's obviously kissed all of these guys at the station at some point. And I know, but I think the music they like play, the, I think oh, suddenly the crying right, game yeah, music yeah, comes. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like, oof, <laughs> that is not an ending that works anymore. I didn't remember most of the movie, <laughs> and when I rewatched it, I yeah, the whole time I was very. I, w- I was like, I used to like this. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. It was huge. It was huge. Mm-hmm. It was but huge. I, you know, I was at early teens or whatever. So yeah. I guess All that right. was funny. So final thoughts on this. We know Vlad's. I, I, I'm getting my say. I'm getting my last word in. Go. What? I start? Yeah. All right. I guess I might as well start with the poo-poo and then we'll get to the nice stuff. Uh, Anybody out there, don't watch it. Do not <laughs> avoid this like the plague. Unless you unless you like waterboarding those kinds of experiences, then then this film is for you. 
Otherwise, uh, uh, yeah, don't don't go near this thing, man. Um, and if anybody in LA is listening to this, please, uh, if you could, just check out Cary Grant's uh, residences and dig up those basements and see what you find. Uh, I think it, not. I, I won't watch it again. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> um, but I'm glad I could check it off the list of like. As someone in the industry, it's like, do your homework, learn about the history of film and the actors and the stories and everything we talked about in this last, like, 30, yeah. 40 minutes or whatever. It's like, I don't know, it's like doing a bit of homework and, like, respecting how things... The history of yeah, cinema. Yeah, the history of cinema does and how this, things were done. Does this make you want to watch more things from the era? Yeah. Yeah, because I'm not going to be so... <laughs> Not I'm not going to be so scared that I'll fall asleep in 10 minutes. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I was scared that it would be so... It was slow, but mm. I I expected it to be painfully slow. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll watch more. Great. And I think that, yeah. that's as much of an accomplishment as anything. Whether yeah. or not you rewatch this, but, if, but more about if you, like, take a deeper dive and go into, oh, what was else was going on around this time? Yeah, and I'm curious to look at more of this director specifically, especially after, you know, you're saying he, he got kicked off of uh, Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind. That makes me so curious about what else he was able to make. Is it possible to completion? just really quickly fill in those gaps there? Why did he get kicked off? I, I Probably creative decision. Same, same reasons people leave movies now. It's like probably wasn't getting along with one of the actors, creative decision, studio. It's just... Various things. Like, I'm sure if you look it up, he was trying to throw an affair in somewhere that was maybe I don't know. With but it's also you got to remember this is like the 90, This is also like when you know the studio just threw money at reporters and stuff to create false stories. So it's like hmm. whatever, whatever it is. Who knows? Who knows what was reported at the time right. versus what it actually was. And yeah, whether, that's very different. Where the real story ever actually came out, right? <laughs> and I think if you've never seen a Catherine Hepburn movie, this would probably be a good one to watch just because I think. It's, it was nice to see that she was an actor, a legitimate actor that did legitimate acting stuff, even though Vlad doesn't think so. I <laughs> <laughs> have you. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm just pleasantly surprised. I mean, as someone who started this saying, I don't watch a lot of old movies because I do struggle with the pacing mostly. Yeah. Um, I still don't know that, you know, I'm not sure I would watch it again, as you said, and I don't know that. You know, on a Friday night, I want to, like, hit up a theater and pick something like this. But like Nicole, it has kind of inspired me to, yeah, maybe give some older films a chance. But again, more in a work sort of method and put my head in that space and that time and maybe give some of these older films a chance. Especially if it was, if if a theater, um, a movie theater in Toronto was, like, playing old films and I could go to, go buy some popcorn, sit in a theater and watch yeah, it. Yeah, So it sure. would be more like a play experience. Yeah. I would totally do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. then it would be more like going to the theater. Yeah. 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 Would you put on the a- a- <laughs> Yes. And I'd wear my finest gowns by yes, Adrian. Yes, Adrian. By Adrian. <laughs> Adrian, did some, gown. <laughs> Adrian did do some fine gown work in this movie. You gotta get one of those numbers with the gold lame yeah. and the... Yeah. Adrian was single name before single names were done, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, Adrian he, He's the original Madonna <laughs> share, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, we'll take two out of three. And it's, but it's also okay that you didn't like Don't it. Don't you have a weigh-in? I, I think I said everything I, 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 I needed to say what we were I think you started about. this by saying you'd seen it and you enjoyed it. Yeah, and yeah. I enjoyed it enough. It's not my favorite movie in the world, but it's like, you know. And you it, saw it in film school. 
right? Yeah, I stopped back in film school. I think probably by then I was more bored by it. I was more charmed by it now than I was back then. I think back then I probably didn't enjoy it as much because I also, but I've also, you know, spent the last 15 years or however long it's been since I graduated diving deeper into older films and, and getting more of a context of this era and knowing what else is around. And so I can appreciate this uh, as part of the time capsule it's from, as opposed to just going, oh, it's it's this and it's not, you know, the stuff they were doing in the 70s and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I like it. But it's also, it's like, it's what it is. It's not, again, it's like, would this ever probably even crack my top 100 favorite movies? No. No. But, uh, but I don't, you know, I didn't feel it was a waste watching it. I think I, I walk away going, oh, I really liked... There's things I can walk away as a director going, you know, I admire kind of like how they made this scene flow and, and the staging and that kind of stuff of it. So, mm-hmm. I, t- I took some stuff from it. All right. All right. We all, we all grew a little. Except for me. <laughs> except for you. I, I guess I took some step backwards. But that's okay. That's what I do. That's okay. No, that, that inspires an interesting conversation. If we all just sat here like jerking off over it, that's no. not interesting either. No. <laughs> well, it might be more interesting actually than that. That's a different, oh, that's yes. a different show. <laughs> and we're uh, uh, well. Thanks for everyone for going over. Thank you. And, Thank uh, you. and check out. And thanks for the popcorn. And my pleasure. And Luba is available on uh, on many digital platforms. Yeah, so you can out. find it online. I think if you Google Luba movie, you can easily find it and figure out how to watch it on your home system, whether it's via Highball or Apple TV or Roku or one of these other. Setups. Great. Check it out. Let's all go. Thanks for joining us for the Philadelphia story. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves.